This is Archive Atlanta, episode 199, The Telephone. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week we're talking about the history of the telephone. When and where it arrived in Atlanta, the buildings that were built for it, the different technologies, and long distance and area codes. So if you're really interested in the specifics of this history, especially the technology, you have to visit a site called atlantatelephonehistory.org. Most of the information from this episode came from there um, because it's so, so, so thorough. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes for easy access. To start with the basic history, telegraph technology reigned supreme before the invention of the telephone. Developed by Samuel Morse in the 1830s and 40s, the telegraph worked by transmitting electrical signals over a wire laid between stations, and it really revolutionized long-distance communication. You know, for the first time, you could talk to somebody that wasn't right in front of you immediately. In 1849, Italian Antonio Meucci invented the first basic phone, and in 1854, so did Frenchman Charles Broussel. The reason we credit Alexander Graham Bell with the invention is because he obtained the first U.S. patent in 1876. So by 1877, the first telephone line, the first switchboard, and the first telephone exchange were all in operation. By 1880, there were 49,000 telephones in use in the U.S., and by 1910, we were up to 5.8 million. In Atlanta, the first telephone was installed in 1877, and that was a private line connecting the Western and Atlantic Freight Depot with Duran's restaurant inside Union Station. At the end of each line was a box phone. A box phone is literally a wooden box with a hole for listening and talking. So think of it like a very crude intercom system. There's no bell, there's no buzzer, there's no ringer. You just kind of hope someone's standing there when you start talking and someone's going to answer. And this is really how all the first early telephones worked. They're typically owned by private individuals who had businesses, and then they leased telephones in pairs. So it would connect one's home to one business, and you kind of had to pay your own contractors actually to string the wires between these two locations. A lot of that changes in 1878 when the first commercial telephone exchange opened in Connecticut, the brainchild of George Coy. Coy created a switchboard that allowed a central office to connect multiple persons, allowing each subscriber to buy one phone, and then essentially allow them to be connected to however many subscribers there were. And about a month later, Coy's company also printed what is now known as the first ever telephone directory or telephone book. So Atlanta's first telephone exchange opened in 1879, just the next year, and it was called the Atlanta Telephonic Exchange and operated by the National Bell Telephone Company. It was located in a single room on the top floor of the Kimball House, and they were typically on top floors because wires needed to be strung out on telephone poles. 130 individuals and businesses subscribed to this very small single switchboard that had about 25 party lines. Now, party lines meant that one line was shared with two to three subscribers each. Rates in Atlanta were $46 for businesses and $36 for homes, with fees covering two phones and all service and maintenance. At first, there were no telephone numbers, so the operators just memorized the names of each subscriber, and then when you would call, you would ask for that person by name. Soon, the Southern Bell Telephone and Telegraph Company formed, and ownership of the Atlanta Telephonic Exchange was transferred to them. 
By 1882, a new exchange, this is possibly the first freestanding exchange, was opened at the corner of Marietta and Broad Streets. By 1884, there were 370 subscribers there, and there was also a telephone exchange that existed in Decatur. At this time, though, calling Decatur was considered long distance, and it cost 15 cents for the first five minutes. By 1888, the sixth switchboard in six years had been installed. So that's just showing you how popular and how much it's growing. And there was room for 2,000 wires. Now, speaking of wires, at this point, city council is very concerned with the skies being crisscrossed with wires. And this was kind of the like telephone started to come to cities and everyone's like, oh, what are we going to do? You know, because they are just wired above everyone's head. And so we start passing some ordinances here about burying them underground. Didn't happen immediately because you see it kind of come up later with a big snowstorm, but they're understanding there's an issue. In 1894, Southern Bell announced the first long distance call and a direct line from Atlanta to Macon was completed, holding the title as one of the longest lines in the South. In 1896, the Atlanta Standard Telephone Company was founded, promising lower rates and better service than Southern Bell. Now, they eventually dropped the standard part, um, but theirs were $36, I think, for business and $24 for, the, for residential, so you can, you can see where it's a little cheaper. Now, the fun part is that it was either or. There's no interconnection. So you either chose Atlanta Telephone or you chose Southern Bell. And maybe for an individual, this was one thing, but for businesses, they were really forced to carry both services. And if you're wondering, yes, this did set off what the papers called a telephone war between the two companies. In 1899, Atlanta Telephone opened an exchange on Edgewood Avenue. They had 2,000 subscribers. A year later, Southern Bell moves their headquarters from New York City to Atlanta in 1905, Atlanta Telephone actually files for bankruptcy, but reorganizes and purchases some more land. Southern Bell opens the East Point office, and then calls between Atlanta and Decatur become local, and then that Decatur office becomes part of the Atlanta Exchange. In 1907, Southern Bell hires who they think is architect Harry Nelson Tyler to design an exchange on Auburn Avenue um, that would be called the Ivy Exchange. It was built as three stories with a capacity to add four more if needed. And on their first day of operation in 1908, the office took over the north part of downtown, replacing what was called the north office um, and having a, a, basically an initial capacity for 4,000 subscribers, but they were able to go up to 13,000. So by 1909, both Southern Bell and Atlanta Telephone had several thousand customers each. And what I learned is that in most cities where you had an independent telephone company and a very large national service, the split was generally along class lines. Less affluent people tended to have less expensive service provided by independent company. And then the social elite tended to have Southern Bell. This would, of course, like all things, come to an end in 1919 when Southern Bell bought out the Atlanta Telephone Company. And by 1920, they had ported all of their customers to their main and IV exchanges, and they had closed the Atlanta Telephone on Edgewood. In 1922, they built an adjacent exchange next to Ivy, and then in 1929, Southern Bell opened their flagship Arc Deco building at 51 Ivy Street. Today, it's Peachtree Center. 
hiring architects Thornton Mayer, and I've said this in an episode, but I can't remember how to say his name, um, Alger and Vinoir, and these are the people that worked on the Fox Theater. They designed for the company a 25-story building, but the cornerstone was laid in September of 1929. So just one month before the great stock market crash, ushering in the Great Depression. So of course, the building doesn't quite happen as planned. They actually managed to build a six-story building. And then in the 1940s, they expanded it twice, I think, to get to the current 14 stories. But really, it's absolutely beautiful. The outside has carvings in it. There's like birds and people and um, Art Deco geometric shapes. And I pass it on my walks often downtown, and it's always is stunning. So now may be the best time to talk about phone numbers. And before I start, I find it so funny, I think, how phone numbers are a thing for maybe like elder millennials or those older than us. I remember to this day my very first house number. And then the number I had pretty much from like, you know, age 11 until my parents left New York, I remember that phone number as well. And I think a lot of us can say the same thing. So it's funny to see how this whole history started. At the very beginning of telephones, there was really just three digits. When using a party line, companies would add letters. So let's say your line is one, two, three, four, but it might be split between three people. So then you would add an A, a B, or a C. So let's say my phone number on a party line might be one, two, three, four, C. In later years, Atlanta had a six-digit system, which was two letters and then four numbers. And this is where I say things like the North Exchange or the Ivy Exchange. You basically dial the first two letters of the exchange's name. So for Walnut, you would dial WA and then the four digits of the person you're trying to call. So in this era, they actually renamed um, some of the exchanges. Decatur was renamed Dearborn. The West Exchange was named Raymond. And then the East Point became Fairfax. I don't know if that was just easier to dial or for whatever reason, but um, if you read old ads like I do or the city directories, this probably now explains why you see numbers as WA1234. In 1947, AT&T introduced the North American Numbering Plan for 25 regions in 20 countries, primarily in North America. And they make this World Zone 1. So this is why when you dial 1, um, if you're internationally and you're trying to call the U.S. But what this really did was assign 86 NPA codes and or area codes, as we call them today. Most of the states had one. And so Georgia was assigned 404. In 1950, there was a big announcement made that long-distance calling was coming to Atlanta, the first city in the South, to be installed at the Ivy Street Exchange, and it was going to cost over $5 million. In 1951, manual service ended in Atlanta. This means that the use of a phone operator or the need for a phone operator um, is now obsolete. A lot of these operators either lost their jobs or they actually went on to work in long distance operation because that still needed, um, that still needed a worker. Now, while they announced this in 1950, Atlantans really didn't get this until October of 1960. So in that same year, they also added what they called the Metropolitan Atlanta Service Plan. And so now you could call neighboring cities like Tucker, and it would not be considered long distance. Fast forward to 1992. The 404 area code is running out of numbers, and the first split was authorized. So everything outside of Metro Atlanta 
was changed to 706 and the inside got to keep 404. That lasted about three years and they added 770. So this was another split. The idea here was everything inside was kind of the core of Atlanta following the old Atlanta exchange limits. They got to keep 404 and then anything outside would switch to 770. From my reading of the newspapers, this was a bit of chaos because many, many businesses followed the rules, they changed their area code, and they had a lot of connection and inability to call. So, you know, someone with, I think it was an auto garage that had 404, and when they switched to 770, they couldn't get calls. And I think eventually they fixed this. Now, just two short years later, the 770 area code also ran out of numbers. But instead of splitting, they did something which was called an overlay. So an overlay allowed a new area code, this one was going to be 678, to be over the 404 and 770 zones. Now, just in 2022, which I had not even heard about this, there was another overlay approved, again, over these last three area codes, and this is 943. I have yet to really see this in person or hear someone with the number, but just like phone numbers, I think we all have a thing with area codes as well. Kind of tells you how long you've been somewhere. I remember when New York City got, you know, got a new area code. It was a big, big deal. And so I look at this now, though, as a, you know, transplant Atlantan. I've only been here 16 years. Feels like a long time, but I definitely have a 678 number. So like I'm not original. So there you have it. The story of Atlanta's telephone history. In terms of tangible, that Southern Bell building, the Art Deco building is still standing, still beautiful. And the Ivy Street Exchange with its expansion are also on Auburn right down the street. So if you've been paying attention, it's been in the media in the last several years, um, like Save the Bell. Georgia State owns it. I think they were planning to demolish it. They have agreed to restore it or renovate it or something and use it at least. And so it's a very beautiful building. Um, kind of the last really, other than the big building, the last tangent, our last exchange. Because as far as I can pick up every other telephone exchange that we used to have has since been demolished. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, there's a Patreon link in the show notes for support. Hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.